We're going to start with Numbers 10.10. All right, listen up. We're going to read the word of Yah, please. Also in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginnings of your months, you shall blow with the trumpets over your ascending smoke offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings that they may be to you for a memorial before your Elohim. I am Yahuwah Elohim. Praise Yah. Let's, uh, let's give him an ascending offering. Let's pray real quick. Let's bow our hearts. Lift up your hands if you feel led. O Yahuwah, Most High, the Elohim of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, we just come before you as an assembly that loves you and thanks you for sending your son, Yahushua HaMashiach, to die for our sins, the true Lamb of Elohim, the unleavened bread, the one without the doctrines of men, but only the doctrine from above. Father, we just thank you for this feast of joy. And we thank you for allowing us to gather together. And we just bless you and praise you and honor you. And we thank you for this Shabbat, this day of rest, a day that we get to eat and drink and study your word and to fellowship with one another. And we just pray that this would be a pleasing aroma in your sight. In Yahushua's mighty name, amen. So a quick little word I want to share with you all. Everyone here, raise your hand, please, interaction. Have you heard of the Mark of the Beast? Ho! How about the Mark of the Feast? Let's talk about the mark of the feast. Let's get right into the word. Let's go to, uh, if you want to follow along, let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12, verse 13. Exodus 12, 13 says this. And the blood shall be to you for a sign or a mark upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, and this day shall be to you unto for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to Yahuwah throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day shall you put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day shall, there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat. That only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 1 and 20th day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he be a stranger or born in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. You shall eat unleavened bread. So of course, this passage here is talking about the Passover. And going back to verse 13, it says, and the blood shall be to you for a, the Hebrew word is oats, which means sign or mark. 
And when he sees it on the houses, he passes over. Now, of course, this is pointing, just merely pointing to the true lamb, our Messiah, and his blood covers us, our houses. 1 Peter 2, 5 says that we're a holy nation, a holy priesthood, that we're the house of Yahuwah, right? Uh, individually and, of course, corporately. So when his blood is upon us, the Most High passes over when it's time for judgment. Hallelujah. Anybody recognize that judgment is coming to Egypt again, right? So we have the blood covering us. This is one of the marks of Yahuwah. This is the mark of the feast. Hallelujah. Let's go to, uh, actually, let's uh, turn to 1 Peter 2.5 real quick. Just want to read that together because I butchered that verse. First Peter two five. We're gonna get some finger exercise this morning. First Peter two five says, "You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood." To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Yahushua HaMashiach. So we are a house. And the blood of Messiah is painted on our homes. That we are marked by him. I've been speaking about this for years now. There's always so much interest and so much talk about the mark of the beast. I'm waiting for Yah's people to have so much interest in the mark of Yah. Hallelujah. And there's many facets to that. That's what I want to talk about this morning. And it's not just the Passover. Let's talk about some more. Let's talk about the unleavened bread. Let's go back to Exodus uh, now. Let's go to Exodus uh, 13. Exodus 13. Exodus 13, 6. We'll see several other marks. And I know a lot of you probably heard this. But this is, this is some key stuff we've got to understand. Because Yahuwah, Messiah, is a separator. And I believe there's two marks in this world. You're either going to have the mark of the beast or you're going to have the mark of the Because the mark of the beast comes in many forms. It comes in a lawless version of Christianity. It comes in the form of Buddhism, Taoism, atheism, agnosticism, whatever. Those are all the mark of the beast. They've been deceived by the beast. They've been deceived by Satan. Exodus 13, 6, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, and the seventh day shall be a feast to Yahuwah, why we're here. Matzah, or unleavened bread, shall be eaten seven days, and there shall be no leaven be seen with you, neither shall there be leaven seen with you in all your quarters. And you shall show your son in that day, saying, this is done because of that which Yahuwah did when I came forth out of Egypt. And we can still tell our sons and daughters today we can share with him what they did for us, the transformation, the freedom that he's given us through Messiah coming out of Egypt and her ways. We can say, this is why we're doing it. Daniel, this is why we're doing it, because of what Yahuwah did for your daddy, saving his life. Does that make sense? Praise Yah. Praise Yah. Verse 9, and listen, so when we do this unleavened bread, it shall be for a sign, the same Hebrew word for mark or distinguishing mark or, or sign. It shall be for a sign Unto you upon your hand and for a memorial between your eyes, that's your hand and your forehead, as I've asked many times before, is that a coincidence that the mark of the beast is on the hand and the forehead and the marks of Yah are also on the hand and the forehead? Is that a coincidence? Is there a Hebrew word for coincidence? No, there isn't. So, and it shall be for a sign unto you upon your hand and for a memorial between your eyes 
that Yahweh's Torah may be in your mouth. That's the gift he gives you for doing this. For with a strong hand has Yahweh brought you out of Egypt. He's done the same thing for us in a spiritual way. You shall therefore guard this ordinance in his appointed time from year to year. Praise Yah. Praise Yah. So let's go to Matthew 16. So we know there is a, a, a physical observance and there's also a spiritual. Much like we see with the Lamb. There is a physical observance. There's also a spiritual pointing to Messiah. The unleavened bread. It's not just about getting leaven out of your houses just to remember what happened in Egypt. There's also a spiritual application and significance for us today. I think a lot of you probably already know that, where I'm going here. Matthew 16, 5. There's also something for us to apply here other than just getting rid of physical leaven out of our houses. Matthew 16, 5 says, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Yahushua said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Yahushua perceived, he said unto them, O you of little faith, why reason you among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, but that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when we're celebrating this feast, this is an amazing time to get rid of the leaven and the doctrines of man that has permeated all throughout the last, really the last 2,000 years. And it comes in two sides. It comes in the, the side, of course, modern-day Christianity with all the antinomianism, the lawlessness that comes with that. And again, as I've mentioned before, people go from that side all the way to the other side and go straight to Judaism, which is filled with even more man-made doctrines. I think it's actually even more dangerous, in my opinion. And I say this coming from experience. As a lot of you know, I grew up in this. I grew up in the, in the, the Judeus, uh, Judeus, Judaism faith, whatever, sorry. Anyways, so I can speak from experience of where that leads, and it's not where Messiah wants us to lead or where to go. A lot of his, a lot of his, a lot of the, the gospels is rebuking these man-made traditions that have taken over the commandments of Elohim. So this is a perfect time to remove these things, to remove these doctrines from our lives, and go straight back to the scripture and just do what it says. That's why when we sat down and we ate, we didn't eat eggs and apples and cinnamon and nuts and all these other things. The scripture says, eat lamb, unleavened bread, bitter herbs. That's what we do. Hallelujah. We're restoring the ancient paths. Amen? All right. So this is an excellent time, especially during this feast, is to review your life. Am I participating in a lot of these man-made traditions? Obviously, that's something that you have to do introspectively. You have to look within yourselves. Does my family participate in these things? And that's just something for you to continue to research. It's something that takes time and process to get rid of these things. So every year when we celebrate this, I don't know about you, but over the last however many years we've been doing this, we get a little better in our walk. We get a little more refined. I don't know about you. I can look back at my walk two years ago, and I'm like, whoa, he's done a work. He's done a work in me, right? Maybe even six months ago, I'm like, how did I, how did I believe that, right? So that's what he wants us to do. We don't instantly just become perfect. 
But over time, every year, as we continue to, to do this, he gives us the promise of putting the Torah in our mouths. Every year that we do this, we'll get a little better. We'll get a little more refined. It takes time. It takes patience. Much like he says the farmer is patient waiting for his crop. It's the same thing with us. He recognizes it takes time. But just stay the course, brothers and sisters. It's worth your life. So let's go to another one. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. We've read this three days in a row now. Let's do it again. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. And you shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And I want to pause there real quickly because there's a lot of people in this world, billions of people that say they love him. But we saw in Matthew 5, he rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, these people draw close to me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me. But their heart is far from me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He says they worship him in vain. None of us want to do that. But here we go. He says, you shall love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Verse 6. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your chil children. And shall talk of them when you, uh, when you sit down. And when you walk by the way. And uh, when you lie down. And when you rise up. And you shall bind them. He's talking about his commandments. He's talking about his ways. You shall bind them, again, for a sign upon your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Another vision of his mark upon us. So we've seen the blood of the lamb as a mark, keeping the unleavened bread and getting the, the doctrines of men out of our lives is a mark from him. His Torah in general as a whole is a mark from him. Again, no coincidences here. Where's Tim? Where's little Timmy? Is Timmy in here? Oh, okay. That's okay. All right. I was going to have him do Psalm 1 for you. I, one, one challenge to you parents out there. Number one, for you to memorize Psalm 1. I think it's probably one of the most important psalms out there. And I was going to bring little Timmy up here. He's six. And I'm going to show you that a little six-year-old can memorize Psalm 1. So we all can do it. Hallelujah. But this is something that our children need to understand is that the one who meditates in the Torah day and night shall be that tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Do you all believe that? Let's teach that diligently to our children. And that's what he said in Deuteronomy 6, is that when we focus on the Torah, the law, the Most High, and we teach it to our children, that he marks us. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go to Ezekiel 9. Here's a little different take of being marked. Ezekiel 9, here's a very interesting ver uh, vision of another part of Yahweh's mark. Ezekiel 9. I still hear all the pages. Ezekiel 9 says this, He cried also in my ears a loud voice saying, Cause them to have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lies towards the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. 
And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of, Elohim, of the Elohim of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And Yahweh said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark, same word, set a sign or a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst of it. Now that is pretty deep. What does that show us? That shows us that those that have a ruach, a spirit of caring about others and caring about the community and caring about the land that they live in and all the abominations on that land, when you, it's not, when you realize it's not just about you and your little family and your little circle, and those are the things that Messiah was trying to teach us. How many times did he tell, teach us about loving one another? So how about a group of people that start praying over the land and praying over all the wicked things that are done in this world? But when, when you do that, when you stop thinking about just about yourself and your family and those close to you and thinking about others, that's when the, the Most High puts a seal or a mark upon you. That's a sign that you love your common man. Hallelujah. Let's go to, oh, here's Tim. Come on up here. Show him, show him Psalm 1, Tim. Can you do it? Are you nervous? You a little nervous? A little more work, a little more practice? Okay. All right. We'll do it another day then. Okay. Uh, in a small setting, he, he nails Psalm 1 every time, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on the stage right. Praise Yah. All right. Let's go to uh, another one. Let's go to Exodus 31. So earlier we saw in Deuteronomy 6 that the Torah or the commandments in general is how he marks his people. But there's something just extra special. I mean, this is, a, this is a really special day. Not only is it part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Joy, it's also the weekly Shabbat. So this is like a double extra awesome day. But the Most High puts an emphasis on his Shabbat. And I think it's really interesting because I think there's, what, maybe a couple billion people in this world at, that are living at this time that proclaim his son and say they love him, and I'm not judging anyone because we all have been there, I think most people would agree with nine of those ten commandments, but there's that little, there's that fourth one, remember the Sabbath day and keep it set apart that has been lost and forgotten, and I'm here to tell you that there's a generation raised up right now, people here and all across the four corners of the earth, that are here to restore the ancient paths, and a big part of that ancient path is the Shabbat, let's read it, Exodus 31. It's the Roman Catholic Church that changed it from Saturday to Sunday. Satan is tricky. He didn't have to make some elaborate hoax. He just changed it from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. And twisted a couple scriptures to push that doctrine. Exodus 31, 16 through 17. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Listen. It is a sign or a mark between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, Yahweh made the heaven and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. It's in Genesis chapter 2. He teaches us that he works six days and rests on the seventh. It's the very premise of our being. He showed us the way 
when he made this earth, that, hey, listen, you're going to work six days, and on the seventh, you will rest. And when you do this, you are letting me know that I am your master. Romans 6, Paul says, don't you know that those who you obey is your master? The Roman Catholic Church is very bold to say that it, the Sunday is its distinguishing mark. That should say something to you. Let's restore the ancient past. Let's be the repairers of the breach and to bring the children of Israel back to his ancient path. Hallelujah. Let's stand up real quick. Let's stand up for a second. Lyndon, where are you at? You don't have to. I'm sorry. Yeah. Stand up if you can. Glenna, you, let Glenna, you sit. No, Glenna, you sit down. Okay, she's doing it anyways. All right. You know what we're going to do. Let's lift up some set-apart hands. Big day, y'all. Unleavened bread and Shabbat. Come on. Let's give it an extra little oomph. Let's lose our voices on this one. No, let's not do that. But let's go loud. Let's go loud. Ken, where are you at? You're here? Okay. All right. On three, the loudest hallelujah you have. No shame. Loudest hallelujah you have. One, two, three. Hallelujah! Praise Yah. Praise Yah. Listen, Lyndon, are you here? We're going to do a little bit of praise and worship. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted today, we're going to do a kind of a shorter Shabbat service, just to let you know what we're going to do. Uh, I've got just one more little thing I want to share. Lyndon's just going to have a couple songs, and then we're going to read the Torah portion. We're going to read the, the, the accompanying prophets and the New Testament verses. Not a big teaching today. This is kind of what was on my heart. Uh, and then I really want to focus on fellowship together. It's a beautiful day. Great day to go down the river, uh, do some baptisms. Um, so praise Yah. So those of you that missed the baptisms on day one, we'll do them again today. Uh, all right. So anyways, uh, last thing. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter one. There's one more little marker sign I want to share with you. Hang on. Hang on, y'all, before we get on to all these extra conversations. Hang on. I'm going to read some more scriptures. Ephesians 1, if you want to turn there real quick, there's one more. Paul talks to us about another seal or sign. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 10. Ephesians 1, verse 10. Regarding his plan of the fullness of the times... To bring all things together in Messiah, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in the Messiah would be the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh of promise, who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of Elohim's own possession to the praise of his glory. Praise be to Yah for sending us his son and giving us of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I want to share just two more passages. Just two more passages. Evidence that we have the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that claim to. Let's let's talk about the evidence. Go to Ezekiel 36 real quick. We'll go why he promised us to give us this or promised to give us the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart. 
Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart also will I give you. That's that circumcised heart. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. Now listen, this is the whole reason he's giving us the spirit. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That's the real reason and promise of his spirit to help us, to be the comforter and guide us in his ways. Hallelujah. Not to guide us away from the law, from the Torah, but to help us to actually do it. Let's go to John 16, and that is the last passage. John 16. Good friend of mine, Mitch, said, Adam, you're going to write a book, and it's going to be called The Last Verse. Because I just keep saying, oh, all right, last verse, last verse, last verse. John 16. John 16, and I'm done. And you'll see here, Messiah tells us the very same thing. Before I read this passage, we need biblical definitions. Truth, the word truth is used in the New Testament so many times, but very few know what it actually means. Psalm 119, 142 defines it for us. Says, he says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah, your law, is the truth. Not one of many truths, it's the truth. And that's why Messiah was so bold to say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Word made flesh. Not Romans through Philemon, but all of the Word, including the very foundation of everything that this is all upon. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, that's the Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. Huh? and righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you unto all truth. He's going to guide you to the Torah. He's going to guide you to the statutes and the commandments and the right rulings. Hallelujah. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. So, brothers and sisters, today we've learned a little bit about the mark of the feast, the mark of Yahweh, which is what we should be searching after and spending our time focusing on. Because I truly believe that if we have his mark, we have nothing to worry about. Whatever this world's going to throw at us, whatever Satan's going to do with the economy or food or whatever, I truly believe that if we have his ruach, if you read the same scriptures I do, he can miraculously do anything. He can speak through a donkey. He can rain food from the skies. He can do whatever he wants to. So how about a generation of people that's focused on his ways? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's worship.